This is the Colts Free Agent Tracker, a look at some key in-house free agents this offseason. Hey, welcome to another Colts Free Agent Tracker podcast. This is where we're looking at key free agents in the offseason for the Colts with NFL free agency fast approaching. I'm Matt Taylor, joined by J.J. Stangovitz and Bill Brooks on today's podcast. And we've already looked at Eric Fisher at left tackle, and we've examined pass rushers Taekwon Lewis and Kamoko Ture last week as well. Both of those podcasts are still available if you missed them on the Colts Audio Network. And today we're examining the free agency stock of Zach Paschal at wide receiver and tight end Mo Alley-Cox as well. So, fellas, let's start off first with Zach Paschal coming off a season with 384 receiving yards, which was good for number two on the team in that regard. And this comes after posting at least 40 catches and 600 yards receiving and 10 touchdowns the previous two seasons. Um, So obviously his production in the passing game tailed off a little bit. And in his final seven games, he only had eight catches for 65 yards. So Bill Brooks, it's natural to start with you, given uh, that's the position that you played at wide receiver and you are in the Colts ring of honor at that position, doing it as well as you did. What do you think led to Pascal's drop off, at least in production numbers wise this past season? Well, Matt, I think it could have been a couple of reasons, and one of those reasons could have been Jonathan Taylor. Um, If you look at it, in his first 10 games of the season, Jonathan Taylor averaged about 16 carries per game. In the last seven games, he averaged about 24 carries per game. That increases by eight carries per game. Mm -hmm. So naturally, that takes away from some of the passing uh, game and some of the uh, opportunities you have to catch the football. Also, I think what affected Pascal in this game catching the number of balls was the Colts also struggled down the stretch of getting first downs. When you don't get first downs and keep the chains moving, uh, have more opportunities to, you know, run the ball, pass the ball, whatever, it limits your opportunities as far as what you can do on the football field. As well as Michael Pittman stepped up big time last year. He had a great year last year. He played well. So I think a lot of that had to play into what Pascal's numbers reflected in the last part of the season uh, last year. So I think, you know, Pascal's a, a talented young guy, a guy that's physical, guy that goes out there and plays well, plays hard, respected by his teammates. Um, so I think that was part of the reason why his numbers uh, went down last year at the end of the season. You talk about the totality of the season, J.J. Uh, production fell down to 38 catches, 384 yards, like we said, but a reason why I asked the question, Phillip Rivers had a great year in 2020, but Jacoby Brissett was Pascal's quarterback in 19, and Pascal was still able to put up a 600-yard season. But I think Bill's exactly right. I think the dynamic of the Colts' offense, the way they wanted to play, the emergence of Jonathan Taylor, the emergence of Michael Pittman Jr. all kind of factored into that as well. Let me go a different direction. If, if T.Y. Hilton retires, um, and he's a free agent as well, so the likelihood of him not coming back is, is very real, how does that affect how the Colts treat Zach Paschal in free agency? Do they need to re-sign him for his veteran presence inside the locker room if T.Y. Hilton is not physically back on the team next season? Well, I, I, just real quick on this, Matt, because th- th- this is interesting. So Zach Paschal, yes, his catches were down, his yards were way down, but 72 targets in 19, 71 targets in 20, 69 targets in 21. So his targets weren't down all that much. He actually played a higher percentage of the snaps this season on offense than he did in any previous year. He was at 83.6% of the Colts' offensive snaps. So 
it's a really interesting dynamic of why Zach Pascal didn't have the kind of season we are accustomed to him having. But, you know, as it relates to T.Y. Hilton, you know, if you do let, you know, if T.Y. does retire or he does, you know, go elsewhere in free agency and you let Zach Pascal go, you know, then all of a sudden you're, you're losing your two most veteran receivers in that room. And, you know, Zach Pascal is going to be 28 next year. He, he has plenty of experience. Um, the, the one thing I would say just on Pascal and T.Y., just, you know, obviously they're different receivers, but they accomplish different things in this offense as it relates to, you know, to kind of tie it back into what Bill was talking about with, with Jonathan Taylor. Whenever you asked any player about the mentality of the Colts wide receivers when it came to run blocking, and how important that was for Jonathan Taylor. They all pointed to Zach Pascal leading that mentality, leading that charge as that physical run blocker. You know, T.Y. Hilton's kind of that, that veteran voice in there, but the mentality, that physical mentality that Zach Pascal brought to that room did play a, a significant role in Jonathan Taylor's breakout season last year. So, um, you know, definitely a lot to get to. I'm not sure... T.Y.'s decision impacts how the Colts are going to view Pascal necessarily. Um, but I do think that, you know, again, if you lose both those guys, then all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, Paris Campbell being the most senior quote unquote receiver in that room, him and Ashton Doolin, mm-hmm. uh, two guys who have played sparingly over the last couple of years. Well, if you look at it, you know, bigger picture, when you take a look at the Colts, you know, wide receiver core heading into next season and, and what it can be or what it could be. You know, last year the Colts were the only team in the NFL to not have two players with at least 385 receiving yards. First time that occurred for the Colts franchise since 1988. Also last year, if you look at the receiver numbers, the Colts ranked 27th in receiving yards, 29th in yak, 13th in receiving touchdowns, and 27th in receiving first downs, which you talked about, uh, Bill, earlier so with that said, with those numbers, how much more firepower does this offense need at wide receiver, Bill, next season with maybe a different quarterback? Well, I'm going by what uh, Chris Ballas said and also my personal experience. You can never have too much firepower at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, the more firepower you have, the better off you are. I mean, you look at Cincinnati Bengals with uh, Jamar Chase and Higgins and Boyd, and then you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers two years ago when they had Evans and Godwin and Brown. You can always use more firepower at wide receiver because that way you're, you're spreading the field, uh, keeping the defense off balance, them not knowing who you're going with. One game, one guy is hot. One game, the next guy is hot. You just never know. So you can never have too much firepower. And then also if you have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, I mean, that says a lot about your offense. It would be very difficult to stop this offense. So I think if, if they can get someone to uh, step up and get someone in free agency or through the draft um, that can come in and step up and be that guy uh, for the Colts, that would add another dimension to the Colts wide receivers and another dimension to this offense. All right, let's transition. Let's talk about Mo Alley-Cox. Let's talk about tight ends. J.J., what, what did you make of Mo Alley-Cox's season in 2021 if you look at the raw numbers 24 catches 316 yards four touchdowns most of those came you know the first half of the season if you will before uh you know the month of november but just 11 of those catches came in the final 10 games so when you talk about mo alley cox's you know free agency stock if you will what immediately comes to your mind i mean it's it was a very up and down 
season for Mo. You know, you can even drill down a little bit further for him. And 13 of his receptions, 13 of his 24 receptions came between weeks two and seven. All right. four of his touchdowns came in that stretch. And 177 of his 316 yards came in that stretch. And it, you know, it's interesting kind of how he, you know, at that point, I remember I talked to him uh, before, I believe it was before the 49ers game for a story I did on Colts.com. And I was talking to Mo and he said, you know, his goal for the season was four touchdowns and he, he hit it the week after. And then just kind of, you know, for whatever reason, sort of faded, um, you know, toward the end of the year, you saw an uptick again in his production. Um, you know, the last three weeks of the season, he was pretty productive, but just that that level of consistency, you know, especially if Jack Doyle does wind up retiring, um, you know, the decision on Mo Alley Cox is going to be a really interesting one. Do the Colts value what upside he still may have? Do they look at him as a, you know, a guy who's a good run blocker, someone who can help out in that aspect? Or do they say, well, you know, you know, it's been four years and we've got a lot out of a guy who had never played football before, but maybe it's time to look at a playmaker uh, at tight end in free agency, of which there are plenty this year. So a lot of really interesting decisions coming up on Moe Cox. And I'll tell you this much, too. The Colts front office really likes Moe Cox. The coaching staff really likes Moe Cox. Just the person he is, the way that he works, the perseverance he has had to get to this point. And, mm-hmm. you know, for him, the, the other thing is, you know, he's kind of a guy you're rooting for to get paid whether it's by the Colts or by someone else, just again, given that journey he's had, um, you know, you kind of hope he gets a payday. It just, you know, we'll, we'll see if it's from the Colts or not. No doubt about it. And, you know, he's a really tough guy. He's played through injuries. He's played through pain, you know, things that we don't even know about until the end of the season. You know, he's gutting through it to be available for the Colts and to answer the bell every single Sunday. Bill, if you look at how much he played last year in terms of just usage, about 54% of the snaps last season. If he does come back in free agency, what's his role next season inside this offense? Well, I think his role can be uh, multiple things. I think his role, for one, it would be a veteran on that uh, veteran in that locker room. And then, two, I think on the offense, I think he's someone that is athletic, very talented, can run routes, get open, um, position his body well against the defender, and then definitely can jump being a former basketball player. So he can kind of command the middle of the field, which I think would be valuable for the Colts, someone that can go over the middle, catch the ball, and someone that can be kind of like a security blanket for a quarterback, a quarterback that knows where you're going to be, some a quarterback that can count on you, be at the right place at the right time, and a big body. When you have that big body and, and, and so athletic as Mo Ali Cox is and has a long, have a long reach, right. there are a lot of things you can do in regards to being over the middle, and especially in the red zone. I think in the red zone, someone that can use his body to defend off defenders and to catch some balls in the tight windows there down in the goal line area. So I think he would be very, very valuable over the middle, uh, a tight end that can be a security blanket for a quarterback and someone that can really, really excel in the red zone, which would help the Colts out definitely scoring touchdowns. Yeah, he was a red zone target at the beginning of the season to J.J.'s point. J.J., has Mo reached his full potential yet? Is there more in the, the talent tank to get out of Mo Cox, or is is he what we have seen his role to be to this point in a Colts uniform? Well, it's, a, it's an interesting question, Matt, because you look at some of Mo's numbers prior to this year, 
Uh, you know, 2020, he had fewer targets, yet more catches and more yards. Um, you know, and he played fewer snaps in 2020. This year, you know, he goes from 31 receptions in 2020 to 24 this year. He goes from 394 yards to 316 yards this year. Um, he does get four touchdowns, which doubled his career total. But I, I think there could still be more potential in him. You know, again, if you just kind of look at what he did at an, as an age 27 season in 2020, um, you know, and, and I think a lot of people were expecting, all right, you know, he's going to continue to take that step forward this year. We didn't quite see that, but, you know, whether or not he can, I think, is the question the Colts are going to answer in the coming weeks. You know, do they believe that he can take that next step forward, the one that I think we were expecting this year? Um, you know, and certainly the Colts, you know, it's kind of like Matt Wood, we were talking about with Eric Fisher, the last podcast I was on of these, where it's like, you know, hey, okay, the Colts know why Eric Fisher had kind of this down season in 2021. They also know why Mo Alley Cox kind of had a, not a down season, but didn't take that step forward in 2021. And if they come out of that with an answer that says, yeah, we think we can get that step forward in 2022, you, you can expect Mo Alley Cox to be back on the Colts next year. Mm -hmm. If they believe he's reached his full potential and they want to have a full kind of do-over in the tight end room, um, you know, then maybe they, they let him walk. But it's going to be a really interesting decision. Um, you know, and it, it's one of these that when you look at what the Colts have, you know, we we're just talking about Pascal and T.Y. Hilton, you know, what, what that receiver room might look like. You need to loop the tight ends in with that as well because that's a room that could have some pretty substantial turnover as well. I, I think there's something left in the tank with Mo as far as the potential uh, is concerned. Um, I think Mo can... You know, do some things differently as far as route running. You always, you always, every wide receiver, every tight end could always improve in route running and being more precise and getting in and out of the breaks and uh, coming off the ball and things like that. And also, you can get better in blocking. Blocking is nothing but technique and continuing to do it over and over and over again. So I think in all aspects, uh, Mo can, Mo, there's areas Mo can improve on and get better. Not that Mo had a, a bad year in, in any of those areas as far as catching the ball, running routes, or blocking, but you always look to improve on every area of your game each year and each offseason. So I think he can improve, and I think he'll be very valuable for the team if you know he does improve and, right. and gets better. And Jack does not come back, as JJ said, you know. He's a veteran in the locker room right now, a veteran in that room, in that tight end room. So I think, you know, if, if Mo Alley does come back, that's great. If for whatever reason that Mo Alley decides to leave, they need a veteran presence in that room as well. I'm, I'm big about having a veteran presence in a room, especially in, in all the rooms, right. um, that someone they can people can rely on and kind of lean on for information. And when things get hard, because things are going to get hard during the season, um, and you have to overcome those those barriers at times. So I think having a veteran presence in the locker room will be very valuable for the team and definitely valuable in the tight end room. Well, I want to stick there as we close out, and then, J.J., you can piggyback on, on your thoughts as well. But, but Bill, uh, going off something you just said, let, let's say hypothetically Jack Doyle retires, you know, 10 minutes after we're done doing this podcast. Uh, <laughs> does, does that change the, the importance the Colts have or the priority the Colts have and bringing back Mo Alley Cox in free agency because of what you just said? Well, I think a lot of it depends on who else is out there and, and, and what other priorities you have as far as looking uh, at the other positions you might need or in free agency. If someone's out there that you value that can help you in a different position, uh, that's a need for you, 
I think you have to look at that and how much you're going to spend. And I think we've talked about it before with the Colts. You, you know the Colts aren't going to – and history has shown that the Colts do not spend a lot of money in, in free agency. So is there someone out there that you value that can help this team and that you can pay but not overpay uh, in regards to free agency? And then also if you get a, a young guy, you know what, you just you – just, you know, you, you need that veteran presence there. So, um, you know, I, I think Mo Ali Cox would be a valuable person to have on the team, someone that understands the offense, knows the offense, and is, uh, I think, is a, a good athlete that can help them at the mm-hmm. tight end position. One other thing to note about Mo, as, just as it relates to Jack, so, you know, you look at last year, I got pulled up in front of me, pro football focus, the run blocking grades for tight ends. And among players who played 50%, uh, you know, we'll call it about 270-ish snaps run blocking, Jack Doyle was the second best run blocking tight end in the NFL. And then there's Mo Cox. He was sixth best. Nice. So we're talking about there were only six tight ends last year who had a pro football focus run blocking grade over 70. The Colts had two of them. And that, that right there, Matt, I think, you know, as, as it relates to Jack, if Jack does decide to hang up the cleats, you know, keeping Moali Cox around is that big-bodied Y tight end who can really stick it in the run game. Exactly. You know, that that's important. And Mo, Mo Ali Cox, uh, over his four years in Indianapolis, his run-blocking grade has gotten better every single year. And he's gotten more snaps in that in that aspect of the game every single year. So, again, you know, you we're, we talked a lot about the receiving numbers and how they were down, but the run-blocking numbers were up. And I think that... When you look at the wide tight end in this in this offense, that inline guy, mm-hmm. that's so important for what the Colts want to accomplish running the football. That if you do move on from Mo and Jack, now you have to replace. Not only do you, do you need that pass catching ability, especially inside the twenties that Mo Ali Cox has, but now you need to now you need to find a couple run blockers, and it's not the easiest thing. Like I said, there were only six regular tight ends last year who had good run blocking grades according to Pro Football Focus. So if you let both of them go, can you really find that? You know, you, we heard so much about again we talked about the wide receivers and the importance of Zach Pascal there, but the tight ends were incredibly important in getting Jonathan Taylor to you know over 1,800 yards last year. So right, right. that's going to be a, a really significant consideration as I, and as you kind of look at it. You see the trend going. If you see the trend going up from Mo Ali Cox, if the Colts, if their internal evaluations of him line up with Pro Football Focus, that would seem to be pretty good news mm-hmm. for Mo Ali Cox sticking around Indianapolis. Yeah, and Kylan Granson is is not that guy, right? He's more of a athletic tight end, a pass catching tight end, and he had a little bit of a, a down roll as far as I'm concerned last year. I, I thought he would play a more prevalent aspect of this offense, but he is not the inline blocker to the extent of Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox, for sure. Great work, fellas. That's a look at the pass catchers, uh, free agency-wise for the Colts. We've got Zach Paschal and Mo Alley-Cox on this free agent tracker podcast, and the Colts also have a key free agent in T.Y. Hilton, who we talked about, and uh, he's contemplating retirement, so we'll talk about that in depth as we go on and get closer to his vignette in the coming weeks as we get closer to the start of NFL free agency. Also later this week, we're going to take a look at Xavier Rhodes at the cornerback spot. He just wrapped up his second year with the Colts and he is a free agent once again. And also this week, we're going to have a ton of content coming out of the combine. And we'll also continue our inside the draft series on Thursday as well with more NFL draft insiders. As always, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast for JJ Stangovitz, Bill Brooks, I'm Matt Taylor, and we'll have more on the free agent tracker later on this week on the Colts Audio Network.